With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. Once again, talking about the game we all love. And Phil, we've been guested up for the last couple of weeks. We've had Anthony Hamilton uh, charming us and delighting us with so many wonderful stories. And then Michael Day, who kindly joined us uh, to address the correspondence from our listeners. But this time it's just me and you whispering sweet snooker nothings to each other. (laughs) Yep, yep, it is. Uh, Hello, nice to be here again. Um, yeah, a couple of great weeks with the guests, but it's back to back to normal this week, I guess. Um, another busy week, a lot of snooker, uh, sort of low profile in the in the pro series, but an awful lot of it going on. And then back to big business tomorrow morning with the uh, with the tour championship kicking off. So, yeah, it's really feeling like it's getting close to the crucible now. So it's all getting very exciting. Yes, it, there's just that sense, isn't there? Sheffield getting that little bit closer. Once it ticks past the sort of month to go, and then now we're less than a month to go. Mm. And it's only actually a couple of weeks until the qualifiers. That starts on, on Easter Monday. And yeah, it, it's very special what's coming up before then. But but we just start to think this time of year, not even just snooker fans, but sports fans in general, the spring is underway now. We've just had Cheltenham. That's consumed me for the last week. I know the Masters golf is coming up. Uh, football's getting really big now, but then comes our beloved World Championship, which will, will will dominate our lives, won't it, soon? Morning, noon and night, Phil. Yeah, it will. It just feel like you become a bit of a zombie during that. You don't sleep much and it's just a lot of work, especially the qualifiers as well. They're really long. Um, but yeah, really looking forward to it. It's crazy that we've got, so we've got the Tour Championship and then they're squeezing in the Championship League as well beforehand. It really does never stop, but it's all good. It really is. And we've just had the latest uh, event come to an end, haven't we? Which, uh, well, it, it's certainly a long and long and drawn out affair, this one. It seemed to last longer than Brexit at times, this one. <laughs> WSP Pro Series Tour event. And it ended in victory for Mark Williams, a very happy birthday. And it's now Williams that becomes the oldest winner of a ranking event since Doug Mountjoy in 1989. It's the 23rd victory of his 
glittering career, his first since 2018. And well, let's face it, Phil, you cannot keep, keep the class of 92 down. Ronnie's world champion. John Higgins has just won the Players' Championship. But Williams says, I want a slice of the action. Don't forget me. I'm part of that class too. Yeah, superb stuff. Um, I mean, it's, it's three years since his last one. I think the 2018 World Open was his last ranking title. Um, goes to number 23 now. Judd, Judd Trump had actually levelled him up on 22. And I guess everyone thought it was just going to be him overtaking Williams now. But he's he's gone back ahead of Judd. Um, yeah, 46 years old. And um, I guess, you know, it's a funny format. They were playing best of threes in these group stages. But it seemed to seemed to work out well for him. He was great today. Won, won six games in a row. And he got it wrapped up with a game to spare. And it didn't matter that he lost to begin in the last one. So, yeah, very impressive. I mean, obviously, a lot is made of the best of threes. There's not too much to be read into it. But it's it's still not a lottery, you know. People say, people sort of make out it's literally a flip of a coin, but it's not, you know. It's mainly very big names who got to that final group there. Um, and Williams won 17 games over the, the three stages of that tournament. So it's a, it's a great effort from him. Um, very impressive. And, yeah, on his 46th birthday, which is pretty amazing, really. So uh, well done to him. No, very well done to him. A popular figure as ever. And, you know, you're right about the best players getting through. I mean, we see it a lot in best of sevens. And we, you know, when they came along, it was like, right, we're going to see more shots than ever here, folks. You know, we're going to see unknown names. We're going to see unlikely names in the last eight, last four, maybe even the final. That hasn't really happened. I mean, it did kind of at the early stages of those home nations, didn't it? I mean, obviously established players, Mark. Mark King and Anthony Hamilton, but they were they were storied in the fact they'd never won a ranking event before. Maybe we thought, oh, that's going to happen now. Hasn't really, though. That's not how it's materialised. And even now, as you say, you know, best of three, and yet we're ending up with a sort of final eight like that. They're pretty uh, generally some of the biggest names. Sam Craigie may be the outlier there, I feel, which, which is good to see from him. But, but Williams, yes, terrific effort. He beat Judd Trump 2-0, Sam Craigie 2-0. Kyron Wilson 2-1, Ali Carter 2-1, Jack Nisowski 2-0, Xiao Gudong 2-1. And it didn't matter that he lost 2-1 uh, to Stuart Bingham. And, uh, well, one other thing to say there, of course, Phil, that is important is that Stuart Bingham now has to qualify for the World Championship. So the champion of not that many years ago, uh, having to go through a qualified, knowing Stuart, he'll pick himself up, dust himself down and just think, right, I've got to battle through qualifying. And let's face it, he'll probably get there, won't he? Yeah, I think um, some some people you might fear sort of mentally if they had to if that hit them late on, you know, just a month before they find out they've got to go and do that. Um, but I, I don't really have that fear for Stuart. Um, obviously, it's, I mean, it's going to be difficult. There's sort of tiered system in rank in the qualifying now. You know, you'd probably take it if you're ranked 16 to 32 or whatever it is, because you only play one match. But obviously, the guy coming to play you is full of momentum, full of confidence coming through at least one, if not two or three other matches. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's no surefire thing, but, yeah, he'll be favourite to beat whoever he plays, I should imagine. Um, but, yeah, you mentioned Sam Craigie there. Really, he was sort of the standout name, the lowest-ranked player um, in that final group. He's one that someone, everyone sort of rates quite highly, despite results not really showing that. He just looks quite good, doesn't he? Um, and he shows it in flashes. Um, but he top topped his group to get to the final group, and... That one had Lasowski, Hawkins, Perry, Luca Brissell in it. So, yeah, that was pretty impressive in itself. And then to come third today, beat beat Trump 2-0. Um, and I think over the whole tournament, he pocketed um, 20 grand, just over 20 grand. So, B 
big that's a big old um, chunk of cash for someone in sort of ranked around sixty, the late fifties, sixty. So I think he sort of has almost guaranteed him staying staying on tour for next year. So big stuff from him, really. It's very impressive. Hopefully he'll kick on. And yeah, I think you mentioned Ali Carter as well. He's been in amazing form this year so far. Um, a lot of very short form matches, but by my maths, he's won thirty five matches since the turn of the year now, which wow. it's incredible that really, isn't it? That you wouldn't. Some people could go four seasons without winning thirty five matches. He's done it since January. Um, eight centuries in this event, he scored more than anyone else. So, yeah, I mean, he's going to come through qualifying as well, but he's got to be someone to look out for in Sheffield. No, definitely. And I feel like a bit of a broken record on this one, but I've certainly said it you know, more than once now. I I know he's a Marmite figure, Ali Carter. That that would be the fairest way to say it. There's no point pretending otherwise. You know, you only have to read forums or some of the comments that I get whenever I mention Ali. Quite a lot of snooker fans don't particularly take kindly to Ali Carter. Uh, I'm not one of those. Uh, when I think Ali Carter performing well, strapping for his life out there on the table, is one of the great sights in the sport, actually. Um, we've seen it so many times in the biggest events as well. It wasn't that long ago he was in the Masters final. I'd love to think he, he could have a decent run at the World Championship. You know, It's not beyond him, is it? It's not beyond him. You know, he, he's, We showed at that recent Masters getting all the way to the final and didn't do much wrong in the final either. Just a very, very good performance from Stuart Bingham to beat him. You know, he's been there and done it in uh, the Crucible. He's gone all the way. Unlucky to play Ronnie in two finals. Good heavens. And a Ronnie firing on all cylinders as well. But, you know, he's just one of those that, you say, he's a Marmite figure, but um, j- j- just like I, I like Marmite, Phil, I also like Ali Carter, you know. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that's a, if I haven't got my analogies too, 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 you know, too mixed up there, but... Uh, how, where, where do you sound Ali Carter? Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I think, yeah, he's sort of polarising in a way. And it's not it's not always clear why. He's a very intense character, isn't he? You sort, of, <laughs> sort of see him sitting in his chair sometimes and he's just sort of staring. He looks a bit angry about just nothing's going on, really. But, yeah, very intense. But, I've, I mean, I've spoke to him a few times. He's always been very sound with me. And, um, yeah, I like watching him play. He's just, yeah, as you say, he's... He's a character, I said, an intense character, but he's just, he's interesting to watch as a person. He's a superb player, yeah. And he's one of those players that, because he sort of does lose fairly early, you know, it's not that surprising when he loses it early, but also it's not that surprising when he's in final of an event. Um, and it's been that way for, you know, 20 years now. Um, so, yeah, he's sort of underrated in a way. I think he's a, he's a superb player, could have won more. Um, and, yeah, he's clearly, as I say, these have been short format games he's been winning, but, you know, he can beat anyone in his day. He's proved it. I think also it might be due to the fact he is quite outspoken on Twitter. Uh, but let's face it, Phil, if we were if we were sort of damning people for that, then you know, we we <laughs> <laughs> there's lots of people we we you know we we might we might take a, uh, an offence to in this life. But anyway, let's let's move on and just uh, cross the eyes and dot the t's a little bit on this World Series uh, a Pro Series Tour event and go back to when we last left off and the results from last Monday, Group I, Ben Hancorn and Lou Haoshan uh, got through. But, I mean, that day was all about Ronnie O'Sullivan, really. And let's be honest, Phil, we had a good old laugh at Ronnie, a lot of us, didn't we? With the uh, arriving late and the one-handed shots and various other uh, sort of misdemeanours. But on another level, it was a little bit disrespectful, wasn't it, to the event? It sort of, I know we sort of spoke in the week, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you were kind of like, oh, why did he bother sort of t- turning up type thing? I think we're all kind of thinking that, aren't we? 
Yeah, it's, you don't want to be a killjoy, do you? Because I was watching those clips and it was it was funny. I was laughing. But at the same time, you know, it is a ranking event. And I th- in a way, it's not. I want, I want to say it's not his fault that games don't matter. But then you still got to try because, you know, that last game he was playing, uh, who was he playing? Tom Ford. And he was breaking off off two cushions. He, he fouled on the break because he's missed the whole pack. And then he played a shot one-handed. And because he lost that game 2-0, he, he, he got overtaken by someone else in the group and that meant more prize money for them. Um, and, you know, that could, that could end up being that someone staying on tour and someone else falling off tour, effectively because someone's not tried in a game. I know that seems quite unlikely, but, you know, it's, it's the whole idea of playing, playing to your best abilities in ranking tournaments. And these sort of group, group stage events don't really lend themselves to the map well. And we've spoken about this before, you know, it is, this event's been created to fill a gap in the calendar this year. So um, I don't be too critical of it, but yeah, there, there were problems with, there are problems with sort of dead rubbers in these when it's a ranking event. And Ronnie definitely wasn't trying, even in the early games. He was, he was trying, he wasn't just messing about in the early games, but he was playing it an outrageously attacking brand of Snoopy. He didn't play a single safety shot. Because I mean, he ended up finishing bottom of that group. I mean, if, if O'Sullivan's trying anything like fifty percent, he wouldn't finish bottom of that group, would he? Um, so yeah, there are there are issues with it um, in this format. It's a bit strange, but yeah, I don't want to be too much a killjoy because, as I said, it was entertaining, but it's a little bit dodgy at the same time. I, I didn't actually necessarily mean to to sort of bring this up, off, but it's just sort of come to me now. Do you think we're, there's a bit of a tendency too much to sort of make everything a ranking tournament now? I mean, I just want, I mean, we we all know about the controversy of the shootout and we're pretty much 99% of snooker fans would be in agreement that it shouldn't be. But, you know, now we've got this event that's best of three, that's a ranking event. I mean, there was a period, wasn't there, where some of them were known as kind of minor ranking events. Mm. But that, they're all sort of packaged together now. And I think it was Stuart Bingham that once said on Twitter, I think it's a fairly decent point that, to be a ranking event, you really ought to have a two-session final. And I don't know. I mean, in a way, I mean, you know, snooker fans understand the nuance that that some tournaments are bigger than others, of course. But, you know, we're talking about a 23rd ranking event for Mark Williams. I mean, he's won three world championships. Goodness knows how many UK and Masters, some of the biggest events in the game. And then you know, his latest ranking event is something that he wins best of three matches in. I don't know. I'm just, I'm not sure. I just, do you know what I'm getting at? It's sort of like, well. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a funny thing, isn't it? Because Sean Murphy's made that point where he just says everything should be ranking. It should be take, take the uh, sort of debate out of it then go the other way. Just make it all count. Um, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's a strange one. Um the, yeah, in the two session finals, interesting point. But it'd be funny to play a best of three tournament and then just have an, a really, really long final at the end of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I don't. I don't really have a problem with the length of the game so much. I, I, yeah, it's the the group stage format was was what didn't really work for me in this one. Um, but it's also it's really helpful for the lower ranked players because I say I mean Craig is an example there. He's really helped his chances of staying on tour mm. to the extent where this probably will make make the difference and there was a few few thousands here and there and you know, Louis Heathcote got a couple of grand on or maybe four grand actually on which makes a big difference down that end of the rankings so they'll have been very grateful for it um but yeah I mean it just seems to be an endless debate isn't it what should be ranking what shouldn't be ranking um 
I don't know if it didn't seem to be a thing in other to- in other sports so much. It's, it seems to be a reasonably unique thing to snooker. Um, but I mean, it's good. It causes debate. People love chatting about it. Yeah, that's true enough. Um, just to carry on then, uh, last Tuesday we saw Group O, Judd Trump and Ryan Day making it through. Then we moved to the second group stage and we're like, right, finally, Phil, we're getting somewhere. You know, that was the moment then. We, we can, you know, the, the mists are clearing in this process. <laughs> we, we are finding the end here somewhere. Uh, and then we had on Wednesday, Group 1, Ali Carter and Mark Williams going through. Uh, from Thursday in Group 2, it was Kyron Wilson and Zhao Gudon going through. Uh, Friday, Group 3, Sam Craigie and Jack Lisowski were number one and two. And then Saturday, Group 4, Judd Trump and Stuart Bingham making it through. And in the final group stage uh, here today on Sunday in the UK uh, was Mark Williams emerging triumphant with Ali Carter second. And I mentioned about Mark Williams being popular. I mean, you only have to look at his Twitter feed and the people that engage with him. He, he is somebody that, you know, is irreverent, isn't he, Phil? Almost totally at times, you know, but people relate to him people actually relate to a lot of snooker players because one of the great many great beauties of this game is sort of every man can play it they're not they don't act like superstars a lot of these guys that they're very relatable but is anybody more relatable than the man that that goes out for kebab after winning a world semi-final tucks into the sweets at the start (laughs) of the final the next day this is this is this is your every man with knobs on isn't it mark williams phil yeah, definitely. And I think you mentioned his Twitter there and he's he's like that as well because he replies to almost everyone, I think. I mean, maybe not. I mean, he must get a lot of tweets, but seems to reply to an awful lot of them, um, which, you know, helps the whole everyman character. I'm not, I'm not saying he's putting on at all. It's genuine. Um, but yeah, very social, very funny. Um, he's, he's spoken about his sort of shtick before about not caring. And I, I do believe him because it's not that he doesn't care. He was saying after this that he tries as hard as anyone. He admits that. Um, tries unbelievably hard during the game. It's just he doesn't let it bother him afterwards. And, yeah, it's working great for him at the minute because this for, this this win's not come out of nowhere. He's at the semis at the Welsh. Um, semis at the shootout, if you can count that as sort of building form or not. But still wins, wins on the board. Um, and he, had, he admitted in his interview just this evening that he, he thinks he's going to be dangerous at the Crucible, which is... Uh, as close to fighting talk as you might get out of Mark Williams. So it's a very interesting time for him. Yeah, and one thing he also doesn't really put on is the fact that he's quite relaxed. And I don't think I'll ever forget being at the Crucible for the night of that Higgins-Williams world final in 18. I think the best final of the Crucible era. I know, you know, people that night quite wisely saying, let's wait a little while, but you know, three years on, to me, it, it had absolutely everything that match. But honestly, when Higgins went back to 17-16, I think it was a match ball pink that Williams missed, wasn't it? Mm. And Williams was, honestly, he was saying, no, I was like, don't worry, I'll get another chance. You know, I, I fancy my chances still. And it, that would have ruined, half ruined so many players at, mm. at that intense stage. But yeah, he was totally relaxed pretty much through that final. There's only twice in recent times I can think that he bucked that trend and and did feel the pressure against Hawkins in the semi that year when he admitted, he said, I could hardly, you know, hold my cue. It was awful. I don't want to feel like that. If I felt like that every game, I probably wouldn't play much longer. That That's how bad it was. 
And also, bizarrely, the shootout recently, where he mm. said he was feeling really nervous and really feeling sort of funny about playing in it. And I think he maybe felt that for two or, two or three of his earlier ma- early matches in the shootout. So, but listen, it's, it's a priceless commodity he has. If you can be relaxed when the stakes are highest in the world final, I mean, you know, the world's your oyster. And he's shown that throughout his career, hasn't he? Yeah, I think, I think sometimes, however relaxed you are, yeah, I think it's about not putting pressure on yourself. And he'll never, ever do that. He'll never make it worse for himself than it than it is or it could be. But, I mean, however relaxed you are, sometimes nerves will take over. You can't turn yourself into a robot, can you? So at the times that he will fall um, subject to it. But, um, yeah, he'll never he'll never take a situation and make it worse for himself, which is a superb quality, you know. It's sort of different. Everyone talks about the Selby mentality as sort of the best in the game because he never knows when he's beaten. and. Uh, um, yeah, he's such a battler, but and Williams is also a, a superb snooker mentality in a slightly different way. I think um, a mixture of those two would be almost unbeatable. That's a great way of saying it, actually. <clears throat> and two or three episodes again ago, I was talking about how they all fascinate me because it's kind of a humility thing, um, which again, a lot some of it is faux humility. They know how to play the game. Of course, they're not quite as humble as they make out, but you know there is something in that. But, you know, as you rightly reminded me, that they're all so different. And yes, I mean, you say a combination of the two, but imagine a combination of the three. You'd have a bit of the Williams being re- relaxed. You'd have that, you know, John Higgins' ability to clear up under the most intense pressure, the genius of Ronnie. I mean, you know, that, that would be the ideal, wouldn't it? Something else struck me, actually, to go off topic to other sports, as I know we sometimes do. Um, I was, as I say, consumed by Cheltenham in the last week. And listening to a bit of uh, Sir Tony McCoy, who is a legendary jockey uh, who retired a few years ago, absolutely brilliant, prolific uh, sports person. Now, he was talking as if he was like an underachiever during the week. Oh, you know, I turned a lot of horses into losers. Uh, you know, I made a lot of good good horses not win. And, you know, there is something about every sort of, great achievers different but there is something about it in sport that some of those ones that have reached the very very top because Ronnie does it doesn't he mm. well Ronnie talks as if he's a journeyman half the time doesn't he now yeah. some of it is just Ronnie's madness but you know he'll sort of say I can hardly put a ball you know and oh I just I've got no form you know he, he kept going on about his cue action didn't he during the last world championship and it's like you know but you're just probably the best player ever but getting that through to them somehow doesn't doesn't kind of work there's no point it just do you know do you know what I mean it doesn't yeah I think I think this is the case with Ronnie and I think a lot of people people at the top of sports they're such perfectionists that they generally aren't happy unless and you know they're not knocking in a 147 every frame so they think they are doing something wrong um and Ronnie's definitely that that. he he he's perfectionist and he expects it from all other people as well that's why I see him getting so wound up with referees and stuff when they make very minor mistakes um also i think in sports we sort of mentioned this before and this works with jockeys as well in sports where you lose a lot you have to sort of condition yourself to accept that in some ways and that's why sort of boxers are the opposite because they never lose they never have to deal with it so they can be really sort of braggadocious and bang on about how great they are because they never have to accept defeat as much like the really top ones um you know they could go through a career losing single figure fights even or you know non sometimes um, so they can go fully the other way. But I think when 
in a sport like snooker or horse racing or many most other individual sports, you're going to lose a lot, even the best ones. So you sort of have to come to terms with that. That was a that's a great point, and I'm I'm glad you brought it up again because I I probably should have given you more credit for it the last time you said it. It it, it it's so true. It's like the game's beaten you really um, in a way, and it it does prevent that ego thing a little bit. Because let's face it, if you think about nearly all the great champions, I mean, Henry's probably the closest one, actually, to, to being a, you know, talking talking like a great, really. Mm. He's the one that's probably closest to that. But Steve Davis wasn't really, and certainly not as he got older. The, the class of 92 aren't. Selby and Robertson aren't really, are they, thinking about it? None of them particularly are. They don't, they're not, you know, I'm not suggesting we're going to have a Muhammad Ali type anytime soon, <laughs> and, you know, like, you know, the king of the world type thing. But you, there is something in that because, you know, no matter how much you've won, you've also lost a hell of a lot. And it and the game's so difficult that, yeah, that, I guess that does sort of keep you on your toes toes permanently. But we enjoyed the uh, Pro Series Tour event, certainly in a low-key way, I think. I, I um, mainly followed it through results. But I, I like those sort of, sort of troughs a little bit because then you now you've got the peaks and the Tour Championship which is going to be such a special event over the next week. It's at your old stomping ground, Celtic Manor, Phil. I'll be wondering where you are. They'll be missing you the next few days, won't they? Yeah, shame. I'd love to have gone back. Um, but yeah, and uh, no, I couldn't get there again. But um, yeah, I'm sure everyone will be pleased to get back. I'm not sure if the rules have changed. I don't know if they can play golf this time. Obviously, everyone was very disappointed to be there, not being able to play golf last time. But I'm not sure what the rules in Wales are at the minute. But that would be a big plus if so. But um, yeah, great week of action ahead. We were just saying before we came on that these sort of small field events, you know they're going to be good, but whenever the draw actually comes out, you're still sort of taken aback about how good they are. And uh, this was that again. Yeah, and you said it already. I noticed on your Twitter earlier. So come on, I'll let you have the first go. What's the phrase? Come on. Every match could be a final. Hooray. Really good. Ting, ting. It really, really could. Very much so. The Tour Championship has established itself very quickly as being special, hasn't it? Which mm. just shows that I, I, I must always keep repeating this point because I am a big, I'm a big one of, for history, big one for tradition. It doesn't have to be an old event to be a good event. Yes, we love the World Championship, which has been, you know, been going for decades and decades and decades. The Masters since the 70s, the UK since the 70s. That history you can't buy gives those events a, a, you know, a real cachet and unique status but the tour championship has come along it might be the new kid on the block but it's it's swept us all up in its presence really and I was thinking last year was a bit different it was one of the first well the first really big event to be behind closed doors wasn't it won by Stephen Maguire but the one in 19 was spectacular I mean I I had to look back up at the results because I remember thinking everyone seems to remember the Ronnie Judd uh, Mm. match it was so brilliant but actually I was thinking there's quite a lot that were close, and they really were. There were two nine-eight matches in the last eight: Trump v Williams and Robertson v Selby, a nine-seven Alan v Wilson. We had that brilliant Ronnie Trump match, which I'm a bit of a TV nerd, and I always remember that more than a million people were watching on ITV4. That is an outstanding <laughs> audience for a non-mainstream free-to-air channel. And then the final was O'Sullivan thirteen, Robertson eleven. I mean, that was a superb final. I mean. That was, to be honest, Phil, a tournament that totally exceeded expectations. And 
for me and people of perhaps of my age, it brought back memories of the old three session finals that ITV always used to have, starting on a Saturday night, and um, or in fact would start early on a Saturday actually sometimes and finish on a Sunday afternoon. But the the old three session uh, matches, and it's a bit of a shame that's gone. It's back to best of nineteen, but the most important thing is they are long matches, and it doesn't it just get us in the mood nicely for the crucible where we'll, we'll be enjoying long matches for 17 days yeah i think so yeah especially sort of after this ultra short format one it's getting back to the serious business now um yeah i mean that tournament yeah you just mentioned those those games it was superb i really enjoyed last year as well i thought when Stephen Maguire's playing well he's it's such a, a joy to watch him he uh he beat robertson trump and then mark allen in the final and then we're all thinking, right, this might be the year where he challenges at the Crucible in the last first round, didn't he? Um, that was when, I'd only just remembered that, it was when he replaced Ding in that tournament. He wasn't even oh, yes, supposed to be cool. in there, was it? Forgotten that, yeah. Um, so late yeah, replacement. Did he do the, the, the Denmark, as we call it? In- yeah, exactly, yeah. And it's big old money. It's 100, 150 grand he won as a late replacement, so it's not too bad. Um, but yeah, as you say, it's really sort of uh, getting us in the mood for long proper snooker again and all the big names well yeah most of them um and yeah it's going to be great and we'll go into the draw now but as we say you can't really fail to get a good draw but this seems especially good indeed and you said before actually which i totally agree with even though you know i actually get it get it get it with the masters pretty much every year even though you know it's the best players you're still like oh look at these matches you know you're, <laughs> you're so delighted but it's also a little bit like that when you get back to a long format because you've, you've had such a short format sort of mentality for the whole of the season, apart from the finals of tournaments generally, that you kind of forget, God, yeah, there's so much chance for twists and turns. Like a player can be 3-1, 4-1, 5-1 up. It's not over, you mm. know, and, and that's the beauty of them. And that, you know, we like the different formats in our sport, but those long matches are in many ways the lifeblood but I tell you what, Phil, let's let's wait no longer to talk about what we've got to kick things off. Can we believe our luck? It's John Higgins against Ronnie O'Sullivan again. I mean, heavens above, you know, as if we haven't had enough already in the early months of this, this snooker year of 2021. We've got these two playing again. And we've just got to say, let's kind of keep making the most of it because this is just, this is what, this is what we're snooker fans for, isn't it? Yeah, and it's not it's not just two old boys sort of um, reliving the glory days. You know, they're playing great stuff at the minute. So it's really is two the all time greats of the game playing. Not they're probably not at their peak, but you know Higgins wasn't far off it when he won the last one, and O'Sullivan's been playing some great stuff. He's the world champion, so yeah, it's as good as it gets. So what a way to start the tournament on a Monday! I think they're guaranteed some, as you said about the Ronnie Judd game. There's surely some good figures for ITV there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're never quite sure what Wally will turn up. Um, and you think perhaps with Wally, he, he might still be in that Sheffield mindset Well, that where that is where he ultimately peaks and not here. Uh, and I guess for Higgins, it's just a case of can he possibly still have that form for, for a few weeks ago? I mean, obviously we're not professional snooker players. We just don't know, you know, I guess it's a million dollar question for those guys. When you've got something as good as that, how do you keep hold of it? How do you make sure it doesn't slip away? And that's, I guess, what 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 kind of 
John will be hoping it hasn't gone away. And obviously he'll have been practicing hard and, and hoping that, you know, he can carry on showing it because these are the biggest weeks of the season still to come. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's possible to say what the best thing to do, isn't it? Do you just keep playing as much as possible as you try and get a rest in? Um, but yeah, I mean, if he, if he carries on playing like he did at the first championship, then he, he's going to win every tournament he enters. So he can't possibly keep it up to that level. But even if it's anywhere near it, he's going to be very, very difficult to beat. Um, and yeah, he's sort of, I'm not going to say he's got Ronnie's number at the minute, but had a couple of very good wins over him recently. So he'll be very confident. Yeah, very much so. And then we'll move on to uh, Neil Robertson against Jack Lisowski, which is uh, coming up on Tuesday. Uh, Robertson with a very good career record, actually, uh, over over Lisowski. And I think Lisowski, looking earlier, the only win he had was in the Championship League. So Robertson really goes in with the sort of history behind him. But Lisowski, you know, I know you mentioned he didn't have a very good day today. Again, can't read too much into best of three. Clearly, he did well to get to the final group. He's increasingly made a sterner stuff, isn't he, Phil? This is the point with Lasowski. And I know we're kind of all saying it to the extent that it's become a cliche, but you have to feel a ranking win will come. I mean, you can say that about a few guys, but I think he'd be top of that list. It, it's very surprising if it doesn't come soon. And, you know, why not this week? You know, it, it, <laughs> if he can avoid Trump, that is. Yeah, yeah he's, he's becoming very, very reliable. Um... So it's three finals this year, this season, two quarterfinals. You know, again, as we said, just in the final group, that pro series there. Um, he's just, before, he was sort of, you wouldn't be that surprised if he lost in the first round, first couple of rounds, even though you knew he was better than that. Um, but he seems to be just cutting that out um, over the last few months. So, yeah, it does, he's, he's, he's certainly not like, you feel he's missed it, missing his chances to win a ranking event. Obviously, he's missed some chances, but he's improving as a player. So there's plenty more chances to come. Um, obviously, this would be um, an amazing way to start if this was his first uh, first title. Um, and as you say, he's got a bad record, record against Robertson. But um, Robertson's had a funny time, really, since um, winning the UK, not winning many matches. Um, so maybe it's a good time to catch him. Uh, but, you know, you never know when he could turn up and just... On almost unstoppable, so we'll see. But um, yeah, Lasowski's just been winning a lot of games this season, so he's going to be confident. Um, he's in a good place with his game, um, and as you say, he lost seven, lost all seven of his games on Sunday. But um, I don't. While while the people who win those games deserve praise, I think criticising people would be harsh for losing them. Um, so yeah, there should be an interesting one. Um, it, if Lasowski's going to get a win over him in a big tournament, then this might be a good time to get it. Yeah, I know we said this before about a month or so ago, but it sort of bears even more fruition now, really. There's such a weird psychology at play with that UK final, because if you'd have just seen results since, and you didn't know the result of the UK final, you might have thought, oh, what Judd won that, did he? He got over the line. Because he's the one that's gone on to sort of keep winning events, frankly, and look brilliant most of the time. Whereas Neil, you know, He's far too experienced and he's done far too much in the game to be complacent with that win. But it's almost like, yeah, I scaled Everest. I won another really, really big one. And it's almost like the come down's harder for the guy that's won it than the guy that's just won it, uh, just lost it and should have won it, frankly. I know should's a big word in sport, but Judge should have won that final. It was there for him at the end. But, you know, 
yeah, Neil sort of won it. And yet, as you say, hasn't really sort of hit the height since. And a few little comments he made, actually, while saying he won't be complacent, he wasn't almost a little bit like, yeah, that's a really big one for me now. And almost kind of hinting that he might have been satisfied with that for some time. So it's interesting, isn't it? As you say, you know, Neil could turn up this week and be absolutely brilliant. But, it, you know, he that, that win, while bit, he wouldn't swap it for anything, in a sort of other way, longer term sense, it might not have done him a lot of favours. Yeah, and you never know. I don't know if his timing maybe, because then he didn't he didn't play the tournament after, and then it was uh, he lost. He didn't win a game again before Christmas. I think he's only won one. I think he's won one match since the UK. Ooh. He won one game at the Players Championship, which yeah, it's pretty crazy to think about, really, because it's Neil Robertson, and he hasn't played in everything since then. But um, yeah, maybe the timing of it, as you say, he hit that height. Then he had a load of time off um, for Christmas. Obviously, went over to Norway. Um, and he just struggled to regain the form. That one game he did win, he knocked in three or four big tons, so it, it's there. Um, I guess he just needs to get some momentum going again. Um, but yeah, that'll ha- that's going to have to start this week, then, isn't it? Because if he if he happens to lose early here, I think he is playing in the Championship League. But then you know, then you're there, and he's not, and he's barely won a match for five months. If he gets the World Championship, so that wouldn't be ideal. So. Yeah, he's, um, I'm sure they've been practising hard for this one. Yeah, but in a funny kind of weird way, in a sense, the World Championship, which again often catches us by surprise, or certainly does me, how much of a, a different event it is to the rest of the season. And mm-hmm. sometimes the rest of the season isn't that relevant. And the reason I'm saying that is that it might suit Neil if we're not talking about him for once, because the last five or six crucibles, it seemed to be right, it's going to be Neil now to, to at least get to a semis, at least get to a final. He's not performed in Sheffield before. He's got to now. He's too good. But he, but he doesn't. Maybe this year, I mean, let's face it, we're never going to go into a World Championship and, and, and wipe Robertson off. He's far too good for that. But if he hasn't had results for a long time, this might be the time he, he kind of surprises us in Sheffield because his record in that tournament needs to be better. We said it before, but it's one of Snooker's mysteries, isn't it, really? Yeah, it's very strange. I do, I do see what you mean there. Yeah, going under the radar might might not be a bad thing. And uh, yeah, whenever I've spoke to him, I've seen him interviews. He's he's not seemed like he's got a problem with his game or anything. He's not he's not um, worried about anything. Um, so I don't think it'll be troubling him. But yeah, it is. I mean, it's very odd. You know, um, he's not been past the quarterfinals since when was that? I think two thousand fourteen was the last time he got to the semi. A couple of first-round exits there as well. He lost to some very good players, obviously. But, um, yeah, now he's... Um, obviously, only one person can win it each year. But he's the kind of guy you'd expect to be in the semis a lot. And he's only been there three times in all. One of them went on to win it. So, yeah, it is, it is strange. But, um, you know, he's still very much an elite player. So, uh, he's got plenty of time to correct that record still. Very much so, and I'm, I'm always still struck by interviewing Neil before the World Championship last summer, and him. I th- and I don't know if he really totally meant this, but it still st- struck me and stays with me. He says, "Well, you know, mate, if my biggest problem is that I've only won one World Title, and that's not a bad problem to have." Which is a, a nice, a nice way, a clever way of saying it. Really, um, it's treat after treat. On Wednesday, we got. Mark Selby against Kyron Wilson. I mean, roll up, roll up. What a game that's going to be. <laughs> Selby well ahead on the uh, career record. He's tended to win the long ones as well. 
And of course, he's having a really good season. And Wilson having a, a decent one himself. Um, and obviously, looking ahead to, to the Crucible, both will fancy their chances. They're both long format kind of uh, characters, aren't they, really? But by the nature of their games, the nature of their characters. Uh, we know that uh, they both had very good world championships last year. Mark so close to reaching the final. Kyron actually getting into the final. So, yeah, these long matches are, are fascinating when you get two guys, two guys like this, uh, you know, against each other. It's a hard one to call. It could be a real kind of gritty affair. There'll be no quarter given. And, you know, it, it's one of those, it, it could go late into the night, this one, couldn't it? I think this will be, if, if it's going to be a midnight oil game, this could be it. But it, it's going to be fascinating. Yeah, really interesting. I mean, Kyron's not really got a big win over Selby. Um, I think his his only wins are sort of Championship League wins, aren't they? Um, and you've got to think that'll change at some point. Kyron's had, um, he's arguably, I mean, Trump's been the most consistent, but he's been as reliable as anyone, really, Kyron. He's been to so many quarterfinals this season. Uh, he won that Championship League again. It's sort of easy to forget that tournament right at the start of the season. Um, another semi-final in there as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as has everyone in this tournament, you know, it's the top eight on the one-year list, so everyone's had a very solid year. But um, Kyron's not really had the fireworks, but he's been very, very reliable. Um, and, yeah, it's sort of, you'd Selby will be marginal favourite, but you wouldn't be surprised if Kyron nicks this. Um, and it, so, in a way, so people sort of label Kyron as maybe the next Selby. And the, their games are quite different, but they've both got a brilliant battling, never know when they lost quality about them. I think that's the, that's the comparison. Um and yeah, Kyron's going to win a lot more events, um, and you wouldn't be surprised at this this week. But uh, very tough one to call, as you say. It's go, it's going a long way this one, I think. Yeah, perhaps we should go back to all four when we talked about them and actually say who we think think are going to win them. They're, they're all toss of a coin. I mean, goodness, don't hold us to what we're saying. Whatever you do, I mean, <laughs> these are the best against the best. Um, we finish off last, but, but certainly not least, with the uh, the brilliant world number one, Judd Trump against Barry Hawkins. Uh, I was kind of, as part of me, is a little bit surprised that Hawkins is in this. I think has he done enough this season? I don't really remember. But looking through, he hasn't gone out early. Really, he's not mm. lost the first round match. He's been in two semis, and he, yes, that you, you are noticing that there's a bit of improvement, a bit more like the old Barry. But I just thought. It didn't seem like on the surface he's done quite enough to be that high, but it's all about consistency, of course. Uh, Trump ahead in the uh, career head-to-heads 14-10, but they never really had a, ma- a very long match, so it really will be interesting. The, the longest they've ever had is a best of 11. Uh, so Trump is uh, obviously having another magnificent season, five ranking events for him, and whatever happens, he'll be a good favourite for the World Championship. But, uh, you know... Hawkins is a, a little bit more like his old self. So he, you know, you, he obviously could cause uh, Trump problems. I think he'll have to start well. Uh, yeah. It's an interesting one. I guess, you, you know, we'll come to our predictions in a moment. But clearly for this one, we're, I suspect we're probably both going to go for the same man here. I guess this is the, the most lopsided one in terms of the betting, I, I'd say. Um, I mean, Hawkins had that superb chance to beat him in the German Masters semis. Was he 5-1 up? Um, in the first of six and lost, which uh, was pretty heartbreaking for him um, because that would have been into the final um, and a great chance for another ranking title. Um, So, 
uh, that's not going to be improving his chances when he plays Judd this week, I don't think. Um, yeah, Barry's, I think I was the same as you. I wouldn't necessarily, if I was guessing the top eight in, a, in the one-year list without looking at it, might not have put him in, in uh, number eight. But I think that shows how much like the very top boys have been scooping up everything, really, because Barry's had a, a decent season without being great, but he's still number eight in the world on the one year. Um, but yeah, he's he spoke about how he's benefited from the pubs being closed and it has been <laughs> improving, hasn't he? Because um, it can be quite hard, quite hard when he'd been in the top 16 forever and he, he dropped down to number 23 or something earlier in this season. So to very quickly remedy that um, quite emphatically, really, he's, he's well back into the top 16. So that's quite impressive. Um, I'm actually speaking to Barry tomorrow morning, so um, I'm, hopefully he'll say something interesting to me then. So look out for that piece later in the week. Um, but yeah, he's gonna, it's going to be tough against Judd. It's tough for anyone against Judd. Um, so yeah, I think we, I think you're right. We'll probably be picking the same guy there. Although I could change my mind when I speak to Barry. You never know. He might convince me. <laughs> now, Phil, you're not a man that's benefited from pubs being closed, are you? Let's is that is that be a fair comment? Um, well, it's helped my bank balance. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's probably I'm... lost, saved a few pounds, and lost a few pounds in the other sense. Um, <laughs> but now I, I'm looking forward to them opening again. Now, now Phil, we we, we should um, now go back to uh, looking at the matches in terms of our predictions. Uh, maybe I'll go first on the Higgins O'Sullivan. I'm actually going to go for Higgins purely because I think he's won the recent ones. You know, he won that final recently. Ronnie's a little bit hit and miss generally still. You never quite know which one he's going to turn up. So, yeah, Higgins for me for that one. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. He, he handily beat him very recently, didn't he? It was have to be a significant turnaround for that to change. Um, but just for the sake of going different, I'll go O'Sullivan. Um yeah, you just don't know what you're going to get with him. I don't think I don't think Higgins can keep that up forever. I mean, it's not forever. It was only a couple of weeks ago, so maybe he'd still have it going. But um, I'll go with the Rocket this time round. Um, he likes these tournaments, uh, so yeah, I'll go with him. What say you for Robertson v Lasowski? I mean, Robertson's the obvious answer, isn't he? But. Uh, I'll go with Osowski. I've been I've been very very impressed with him, and he's always going to get stick for not getting over the line in the finals. But he's had an absolutely superb season. He's winning an awful lot of matches, and in the last three months, he's won a lot more matches than Neil Robertson has. Um, this is a big step up, but uh, yeah, why not? I'll go with Jack Osowski to win this one. Well, I'd written Robertson down, but not not with anything particularly you know surefire behind my opinion at all, but. In the spirit of us doing slightly different things, I'll I'll stick with Neil for that one. Uh, the next one, I've actually gone for Wilson, which I think, I don't know, my, most people might probably go for Selby there, but it's more just a sort of instinct and feeling with that one, really. I just think it's a toss of a coin match. They're both playing well, uh, but Selby had that really heavy defeat to Higgins, didn't he, recently, which I know it's only one match and Higgins is brilliant, but... It just shows to me that, you know, he can be beaten. And I'm going to go for Kyron. Yeah, I think, yeah, this is sort of similar to the Higgins-Oslan one. In, it's very, you could make a very good case either way. 
Um, there was this sort of thing about Selby not doing very well in these ITV events, wasn't there? But he got the semis at the Grand Prix, and uh, I think he got to the quarters of the Players' Championship. Um, I, I love that, by the way. I love players not doing well on a certain channel. Yeah, yeah, as if as if it makes a difference. No, but, but for, for years and years, I think decades, England's tournament record on ITV is awful. Like ITV, yes. England, England nearly always go out of World Cups and European Championships on ITV. You know, the Argentina game in '98 comes to mind. Uh, I'm sure when they drew with, uh, was it Spain and needed to win in '82? Nothing each. That was ITV, I think. And you go through the years, it's like. <laughs> yes, and it sounds sort of barking mad, but ITV and not a lucky channel for England. I just like that. It's so sort of, yeah. it's so mad. It's so sort of nerdish that you know that, that a player or a team would do badly on one channel. You know. Yeah, well, I think I think you really it really shows how sort of daft a narrative it is when whenever you mentioned that to players. I think I mentioned that to Selby when I saw him at the Welsh Open about these ITV events. He was like. Obviously, there's no reason for that. <laughs> just like, you make me feel really silly for asking it, but, but, it, yeah, it, it, but it happens. I love moments like that as well because you, you're right. You sometimes forget players really aren't into things the way we are, and we're yeah. sort of, like, it's like really like, <laughs> looking like you've got two heads. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but then you get the odd one who is very superstitious about stuff like that. But I mean, what can you do? He's not going to stop playing in the music, so. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll. We're not. We're not just purposely going for the separate, the opposite ones every time. But I may as well because I don't know. I haven't got a good solid pick for this one, so I'll go with Mark Selby. Why not? Well, I'm pretty sure we're going to go for the same man. The last one, aren't we? You, you, you go first. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to come up with an argument, but um, yeah, I have to go with Jude. I'm afraid. Yeah, there it is. Well, the argument is that Barry Hawkins is a very, very good player, but the problem is Judd's just better than very, very good players at the moment, isn't mm. he? He's beating, you know, everybody, really. You know, I mean, he's not winning every event he enters, but he's winning most of them, or he, and he's certainly going very deep in nearly all of them. So, yeah, I mean, I'm going to go for Trump. And I said, you know, I'll say it again now, Phil, I know I said it a month or so ago, I'm not, I'm not going to change. He's definitely going to be my tip for the World Championship, Judd. Um, and I'm almost going to be surprised by anybody that doesn't go for Judd, actually, um, for this one. You know, I can't think of the last time I was, you know, had a more sort of you know, definite feeling about something. But of course, I did go for him last year in the summer with nothing like the same conviction um, because he hadn't wasn't in quite the same form when he didn't win it. But we've been through that um, before. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it would take, you know, if, if Higgins plays like he did at the Play Championship and won, won this week, then it would be quite hard not to go for him as well, though, if he was going to carry it on, if he kept it up as he was doing before. But um, yeah, it would take a very, it would take a spectacular performance this week for me to suggest Judd Trump wouldn't win in Sheffield. But yeah, we'll see. So we're both going for Trump there, and uh, it's going to be really smashing action over the next week. Live in the UK on ITV4. We said before they they cover tournaments superbly. They have a superb team, and it, it just feels like big event snooker. And actually, I don't know if you saw the Ireland England rugby match uh, in the UK uh, on Saturday at night. It was live on ITV, and they showed an advert for the Tour Championship at half time. And I thought that was a really nice touch to get an advert 
on a main network channel like that at prime time was a really was a really good sign. It might not seem like a big thing, but I can't remember the last time that you know I saw a snooker advert. Uh, you know, it's such a high profile you know, piece of television real estate if I can use that phrase. Yeah, super. I didn't realise that. I, I've actually not seen a single second of rugby this this year. Um, but yeah, no, so great because that'll have had huge viewing figures on the on the England game. So excellent. And as I say, what a way to kick it off with Higgins and O'Sullivan um, bound to get good viewing figures on. Monday afternoon and evening, hopefully. But of course, it's one of those things, you know, and you, you don't want to moan because we're sort of lucky uh, to have so much snooker. But these games have only just been sorted out, haven't they? They've only mm. just been confirmed. So in a way, everybody working on the event, the broadcasters, uh, other journalists, you know, not like you know, the world's smallest violin here, I'm sure. <laughs> Worry about the poor old journalist, but you know what I mean. There's not an ideal world. They've been a little bit longer to think about the matches, but we, I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's good in a way because you know they're always going to be great matches wherever they are, and you know it, it gives us that great anticipation to know it just before. But I don't know. It's 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 a bit of a weird one, isn't it? Because often you get a long time before, say, you know, like a Masters where you do the draw at the UK. It happens, isn't it? So it's mm. six or seven weeks before you know who's going to play in the Masters and. Hey, my, my, probably won't make any difference to how much we enjoy it, but it's just weird how late it is, isn't it? Yeah, I think it certainly won't make a difference for enjoyment, but it, maybe it harms viewing figures. You know, if they'd been able to advertise Higgins O'Sullivan for a few days or weeks or whatever, you know, on, on the TV or all around the media, mate, that, that surely would have boosted the viewing figures. So it's, it seems a shame that way, especially because it was sort of being uh, affected by a reasonably minor event like the pro series it seems a bit of a waste in that way but you know as you say we can't complain too much um it's going to be great but yeah there's certainly you know i don't know if anyone's writing previews or anything like uh, writing on sunday night to go monday morning but good luck (laughs) yeah exactly i mean it's it's such a short turnaround um so yeah yeah there is that i found that a few times this season it's so packed that it just, I mean, you are literally Sunday starting again Monday. So um, there's little time for sort of build up. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's, it's better to have the events on than not. Yeah, of course. And I guess in, that, that would be the ultimate uh, snooker first world problem we're yeah. about here. Eh? Um, uh, so we're basically look, looking forward immensely to the Tour Championship. And uh, Sheffield on the horizon in terms of the qualifiers and then the tournament. And this would just be that nice taster, won't it? The, the long matches for a week. And then when that's over, we'll have the Easter break and then we go into Sheffield. This is, you know, I know we say it so many times, but it, it, this is the time of year that's so magical for us snooker fans, isn't it? We know it's just going to be a bonanza between now and May Day. It's just great long form snooker all the way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the qualifiers are a really nice part because um, there's a lot of snooker going on. All the, the sort of names you don't see that often. It is being televised, isn't it, this time as well? It was like last year. The last time I heard, I think it, I saw it might have just been on the app. So I have to get that okay. confirmed, actually. I know it was last year, but I think that may have been because they were much shorter of sport to show, frankly. Mm. So I don't think there's been any confirmation on that yet, but... 
but certainly worth checking. Um, not that I know of anyway, and hopefully we'll have it in the next few days. But last time I heard, it was just going to be on the app. But yeah, okay. if we get any more okay, news, but... we'll, we'll say it next week for sure. Yeah, visible somewhere though at least. Um, but yeah, so that that is great for that because then that's all going on. That's when us guys get much better access to all the other, the bigger names as well. So you are sort of getting all the action and you're getting all the build up build up pieces as well that you, we were just saying don't you don't get for a lot of the the rest of the year. Um, so yeah, it's it's it is great for building excitement on in the playing sense and in sort of more general sort of interesting piece senses. Um, and yeah, we, we've got the Championship League as well, which will again be a bit of a lower key one, but just a lot more snooker. So um, plenty to look forward to. Yeah, and I, I think there's there's something about this tour championship that really sets it up. Like we were saying at the start, you know, it's the best guys playing long games, um, but not quite not quite as long as the Crucible. You know, there's more to come, but it's a great starter. It is, and and we know why TV want the short matches. They want the story in one session. They want the everyone to tune in, see the start, middle and end, the interviews at the end, and that's it. But, you know, we just know what long-form snooker can do. It just throws up that, that sort of... A, someone else heavily involved in snooker used the phrase the test match of snooker like the world championship and that's kind of what it is really it's ebbs and flows and and it and because we don't have it so much during the season it's it's even more special uh you know when it comes upon us and we really can't wait for the tour championship do enjoy it all we'll be back afterwards to review it of course and uh, we loved catching up with your correspondence last week and uh we, Michael Day was a, a thoroughly uh, excellent guest, as we knew he would be, uh, Phil. And we, we're looking forward to hearing some more from, from you out there. Do, do keep your tweets and emails coming into us. Tweet at Talking Snooker. Uh, email at Talking Snooker at yahoo.com. Uh, tweet us at Talking Snooker or email Talking Snooker at yahoo.com we'll, we'll look to build up a few of those again phil i think we like that tradition don't we of having those your views episodes particularly if we can get another voice in many of the learned voices the, the writers mm-hmm. out there we enjoy reading so much and and it's nice to offer us you know something new as long as they don't disagree with us we don't like that do we <laughs> yeah. No, no disagreements. Yeah. oh yeah there's, there's a lot of options for it and yeah michael is brilliant um yeah in terms of the uh, sort of correspondence yeah if there's a sort of pressing pressing issue that needs it's sort of time dependent and I'm sure we'll do it at the time, but yeah, it's nice to build them all up and have a big old chat about them all at once if possible. Indeed. But I think that's might've wrapped us up now. We've, we've talked about the, the pro series tour event, looked ahead to the tour championship and uh, say, we'll return with the very best of the tournament next time. Uh, do have a good week, Phil. You, you, you'll be glued to the bays, won't you? We, we both will be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it was flitting in and out of the pro series, you know, you just watch the odd frame here and there, but this will be an all out watching all of it week. Um, really looking forward to it. Um, last note on the pro series. I don't know if you saw the trophy. I know you're coming back from Leicester. Very unusual new trophy. Looks a bit like a big silver handbag slash fruit bowl. So if you haven't seen that, have a look at it. Um, but quite liked it. It was a bit weird, but at least it was a bit different. Don't mind that. Yes, I, I did. I, they let me out the house, by the way, folks. I did go to Leicester. It was like it was like going to the, the Himalayas or something. You know, <laughs> I was all fingers and thumbs booking it. You know, it's so long. I mean, I haven't talked a great deal about my. I'm sure little bits about our lives will come out in this. And travel is one of my greatest loves. A massive passion of mine. 
In fact, it's one of the first things we bonded over, wasn't it, really, when you went to Argentina, if memory serves, and I was waxing lyrical about that place and how much I adore it. I yeah, absolutely. Love, I absolutely love travel, but honestly, you wouldn't have thought it, that you know, the absolute fuss I made of going to Leicester. <laughs> um, but, it, yeah, it was a bit of a funny sort of day, you know, very pandemic-y, of course, everywhere, a bit, a tiny bit dystopian, actually, with everyone being boarded up and deserted streets. But uh, you know, I went to an enjoyable football match anyway. And, yes, I did, I did clock on the train back uh, your tweet about trophies. And, actually, you're a big trophies fan, aren't you? you? This is one of your big things. And I teased you a bit in the week about that. Was it WPBSA uh, article about trophies? Um, yeah, they've got a lovely page on their site where they've got all the, all the current ones. Yeah, I just enjoy them. It's nice, aren't they? And it's it's just uh, I just get I like nearly all of them. It's just very disappointing when you get a bad one. But I'm up for them experimenting. I like this new, different look. Why not try something interesting, original? Um, and I'm sure it'll be nice. Look nice in the Williams mantelpiece. What's your favourite? Would you say? Would it be for sheer grandeur, the World Championship trophy, or that lovely triangle you get at the Masters, or what? Yeah, it might be the seniors one. That sort of claret juggy one, um, but it does sort of chop and change. I'm a bit fickle with it. Really do like the UK Championship. Um, I forgot when I was in Wales. I forgot that they'd got rid of that old lovely slate one that they had there. And then when I went down to the arena and they've got all the same vase that they've got for all the home nations, I was really quite disappointed that I didn't get to see the slate one, even though it's not been there for years. I just forgot about that. Um, but yeah, no, there's loads of good ones. Um, is it the China Open that big bowl? The Champions League's got um, the Champion Champions got a lovely big bowl. Um, yeah, no, like them all. Well, if you have a favourite trophy, we'd love to hear from you. Do uh, email us talkingsnooker at yahoo.com or tweet us uh, at talkingsnooker. And uh, if you've got anything to say about the World Championship coming up, any predictions, anything you'd like to see, anything about the qualifiers or anything you see at the Tour Championship in the coming days. Uh, do remember your your good mates at Talking Snooker, won't you? Email us at talkingsnooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at Talking Snooker. Phil, you, I know, have to go to the land of Nod quite soon, as, <laughs> as indeed I, sh- I should. I'm coming down a little bit for my football trip now, but uh, we, we thoroughly enjoy Talking Snooker and do enjoy the, the coming days, won't you? And, and, and we'll speak next time. Yeah, thank you very much. Always supposed to be here. Um, one last thing I remembered, I was just looking at the bottom of my notes, it's going to be interesting to see how the, how the tables play back at Celtic Manor because they got some shoddy reviews last time they were there, especially from Mr Trump. So I don't know if anything will have changed or improved, but we'll we'll look out for that. Oh, God, and you reminded me one more. This is, this is turning to the longest goodbye. <laughs> um, but one more thing that comes to my mind, you talk about uh, bad tables. Now, Another popular snooker podcast. Some would say the most popular snooker podcast, if you, if we're honest, <laughs> if we're brutally honest, uh, do do a lovely turn in snooker in popular culture. Well, uh, imagine my surprise when I learned that uh, snooker was on Comic Relief on on Friday night. Yeah. I saw it with Ronnie playing. It must be the worst table. I put it up on my Twitter. I know it's all a bit of sort of nonsense. Well, with, with a good cause, of course, but mm-hmm. clearly not yeah, anything serious in terms of snooker. The table was atrocious. Ronnie paid a black and it just well, it sort of just curled away. Yeah. It, never mind rolling off. It was just like, it was hopeless. And the, and the sound the cue and, and the balls made, oh, it was awful. It was a, you know, if, if, if the club was 
if the table was down your local club, you'd be asking for your money back. But yeah. it was a shock. You did well to pot a few balls. I think I was I was taken aback by his jumper as well. He had quite a nasty jumper on, so it was it was bad on the optics all round. <laughs> but worth worth digging out if you don't see bad tables. If that was an actual table in a tournament, can you imagine it, Phil? Our keyboards would be on fire, wouldn't they? <laughs> With the, with the complaining players. But, Phil, thanks very much indeed, sir. It's it's great to be with you and uh, enjoy the Tour Championship. And I'm sure uh, snooker fans everywhere will. Keep your thoughts coming into us and thanks very much indeed for your company. Uh, from myself and Phil, cheerio for now. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.